Good evening, channel partners, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Joe Penitary, content czar for ChannelE2E.com. Thanks for joining us Tuesday nights at 9.01 p.m. Eastern and sometimes in between. Now, on to podcast episode 46, my conversation with service leadership CEO, Paul Dipple. We discuss how Paul previously worked with management teams to build and sell service providers. Then we fast forward to present day as Paul helps service providers to benchmark their performance versus the overall industry. Plus, Paul shares some key business metrics that every service provider should track. Paul, nice to be talking to you. Thanks for joining me. Hey, Joe. Good to talk with you. It's really exciting what you've got going on. Thanks. Hey, I appreciate that. Now, now Paul, I know a lot of our listeners probably are quite familiar with service leadership, but but there are some far corners of the world where, where some service providers have not heard of your efforts with and, and your <laughs> business with service leadership. Can, can you tell us a little bit about the company and what inspired the business? Sure. Thanks. Uh, well, we, we, we got into this the hard way. Um, I started out being a solution provider in 1983. And we grew a company from scratch to 30 million with two locations. And then we sold it to Pacific Bell. And within that, we grew it to 130 million, nine locations. And so we had nine general managers, uh, one in each location, each of which was responsible for sales and service. And when you have a multi-branch operation like that, you have to come up with a fair way to compare their financial performance. And you have to come up with a way to identify who is using better management practices and then capture those practices and share them with the other guys. And so we did that successfully. And then, um, so that was a seven year run. And then the next solution provider company I was at, we, when I came on board, we were 300 million with 5 million in services and 295 million in product resale. And naturally the services were losing money. Mm. Uh, and we grew that to two billion with four hundred million in services, about half of which today would be called managed or cloud. And um, we grew that, as I say, to two billion <clears throat> with four hundred million in services and forty-four general managers, forty-four locations. And so we evolved this technique of measuring the financial performance of a solution provider even farther and of capturing the best practices in terms of why some general managers are more successful than others and how do you make the ones that are less successful more successful with those same habits and methods and so on. Uh, and then the third time was a, was a $400 million solution provider. It was about half product, half service. Uh, again, about half of those services were, would today be called managed or cloud. Uh, it was losing money. We came in and turned it around uh, and sold it to Xerox in the space of about 24 months. Mm. Um, and then the last one was um, all covered. So I was part of the team that grew that from $3 million in annualized recurring revenue to $50 million in annualized recurring revenue in about 20 months. And what my responsibility was there, Joe, was to run around the country and buy small solution providers and bolt and turn them into managed service providers and bolt them on. Uh, and that was great fun. And that was really where we ultimately um, took all of the understanding of how to benchmark folks and how to help them become better managers, better executives, and so forth. So in 01, the internet bubble burst. The venture capital guys behind All Covered said, Hey, stop spending money. And because I was leading the M&A charge, I was the chief money spender. And I was doing a spectacular <laughs> job of that, by the way. Absolutely. All thumbs up until the, until the internet bubble burst. So 
I left and uh, started service leadership to help other solution providers do better, to, right. to, to help them drive up their stock value, their cash flow. Um, so that's where all the benchmarking came from. Obviously, we continue to evolve it, and that's also where all this operation material level stuff came from. Fantastic. Now, so so if, let's assume I'm a, I'm a service provider listening to this program. Uh, basically, I share my company information with you confidentially, um, my financial information, et cetera. And, and you're mm -hmm. able then to look at an aggregate of that, right? All these service providers are sharing the information mm -hmm. with you. So you can create a baseline and tell, and, and tell me, hey, Joe, here's how your company compares to the overall market. Is that a correct way to think about it? Yeah, exactly. We actually uh, break the data up two different ways. We break it up by what we call predominant business model, because obviously the the financial success ratios for a company that's 80% product resale and 20% service are going to be very different than than a company that's that's 80% service and 20% product resale. Obviously, good for good performance for each of those is going to be different. So we actually break the solution provider world up into ten different business models of which, for example, MSP is one and product centric is another. Uh, and then we determine what is the median profitability mm -hmm. for the companies in each of those. And we determine what's top quartile, which we call best in class and what's bottom quartile. So when you benchmark with us, you put your data into our confidential system once a quarter and you get a private report back each quarter that shows you your results over the last five quarters uh, and year over year against the average for the industry as a whole, because everybody always wants to know that, as well as against the top quartile for your specific business model. Right. And the, the interesting thing is across all 10 of those business models, the best in class profitability percentage after owner comp is usually about three times higher than the median for the same business model after owner comp. So what that tells you, Joe, is that, that, that there's a, there are executives and owners and managers out there that essentially execute against the same business model so much more effectively that they're getting a triple the profit at the bottom line after owner compensation. And interestingly, it has nothing to do with how big the solution provider is, how old they are, where they are on the planet, what vendors they partner with, what PSA tools they use, what RMM tools they use, has nothing to do with that. The, the delta in performance based on those things is minuscule compared to the delta in performance that comes from management skill. Right, right. The business and the great side. news is, yeah, yeah, yeah. The great news is management skill can be learned, and that's why we focus on the operational maturity level thing. That's, that's fantastic. You know, you, you shared some of those data points during a recent keynote that I attended, and I was, I was blown away. I mean, one of the data points just off the top of my head, I think you mentioned that those top quartile service providers, I, I think they seem to be charging at least $160 per month per user for their IT services. Mm -hmm. it, First of all, did I capture that data point correctly? And, and number two, is that $160 per user per month for IT services? Is that regardless of region? Yeah, it's a great question. So you're speaking uh, at, the, at the time I was speaking specifically of MSPs and their, their recurring revenue managed service offering. Mm -hmm. 
And the answer is yes. If you look at, uh, yes, uh, that is what the top quartile, those that have the top quartile profitability are charging, that or more. And no, it doesn't depend on region. In other words, it's the same in every North American market. And a lot of folks will scratch their head at that. The folks in the, in the, uh, in the tier four markets will go, well, maybe the guys in the New York City can get that because they can charge so much more. Uh, and that would be incorrect. And the reason for that is there are guys in New York City that charge way below that and lose money. Mm. And the guys in, in, you know, New York City will go, well, the guys in the fourth tier markets can make 17% of the bottom line uh, after owner comp because they can pay such lower salaries. And the answer is, that's also not correct because there isn't that much salary difference between markets. The fact is any market you go into, you can find guys and we'll just use the MSP business model as an example. You can find guys who are in the top quartile of profitability. doesn't matter whether it's a tier one market or a tier four market. And you can find guys, those top quartile guys most often are charging in the 160 bucks a user a month range. And, I should point out the top quartile MSPs in terms of growth and profitability virtually never offer any other package other than their gold package. They don't do silver. They don't do bronze. They don't do a la carte. So it's, it's the management practices that make the difference in growth and profitability. So. Right. Right. So one, one integrated offering for the partner, uh, for, for the end customer and, and a really clear pricing model for the, for the partner. Yep. Do, do the prices ever commoditize over time? I mean, we've all heard about quote unquote MSP commoditization. Uh, is it happening? Yeah. Uh, the, the good news is no, from an empirical data standpoint, excuse me, nobody benchmarks more solution providers than we do around the world and in North America, and nobody goes to the lengths we do to make sure it's accurate. And the fact of the matter is, Joe, the top quartile profitability percentage has not moved more than a half a point over the last six years, mm-hmm. period. It runs right around 17 or 17 and a half percent after owner comp. The median has actually increased a couple of tenths of a point over the last two or three years. The bottom quartile, Joe, who four years ago we're getting creamed. They were losing money actually are just barely negative profit in the last couple of years. So they're actually getting better. Mm. So the, the, the empirical data around commoditization is zero. There is none. The reason for that is this is not a managed service is not a product that is, that, that is, that is created on an assembly line that is subject to manufacturing efficiencies. It's a service and a rather complicated one. And the fact of the matter is, whoever executes better, or we say at higher operational maturity, is going to deliver higher customer satisfaction with lower cost of goods sold, but they're going to be selling on what we call value-based pricing, which is the highest pricing in the marketplace. If you look at the guys with the top growth, the top quality, and the top profitability, they all engage in what we call value-based pricing, which is, is that $150, $160, $170 a a month. The people that execute well charge more. They don't charge less. So the only folks that are really engaging in cutting pricing are the folks with low operational maturity, and they effectively just put themselves out of business. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, you you provided a two a few examples at the conference that had us all smiling just because we we could we could picture the examples right in our head. These are real world examples. So, you know, for the listeners who who tune into this and they start to hear about the the big businesses you've built, what about the small guys out there? I mean, one of the recommendations you have, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, is hey, you know what? Don't pursue customer engagements that are worth under $2,500 per month per customer on a recurring basis. Is that really the magic number? I mean, what if I want to go out and pursue, you know, customer sizes of $1,000 per month? Am I, am I uh, hurting myself by doing that? Yeah, it's great. It's a great point. And remember that uh, uh, two of the three, sorry, two of the four businesses, we started from almost nothing. Mm-hmm. Um and remember it all covered, we habitually bought guys that were in the million dollar range or less, bought eight to 18 of them in 20 months and converted them to an effective managed service model. Since then, Joe, we work with lots and lots of guys who are half a million, a million, a million and a half, two million. Mm. And here's what you see over and over again. The first pricing model that that people tend to come to market with in the managed service world is the a la carte pricing model. So long list of items, you know, check off what you want, your customer, you're right. You know, whatever you pick is your budget. The sort of the sort of realization that occurs over time on the part of the MSP is, wow, I go through a lot of effort to find the customer and sell them something, and I'm only getting $80 a month out of that customer, not $80 per user, $80 a bloody month. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you go on this one, I got, I got 140 and this one I got back up at 600. It's great. Except if you step back and do the math and you go, I want to build a $3 million managed service business, pick a number. I'll just pick 3 million. If I want to build a $3 million managed service business, if I charge that customer $500, a month, that's 6,000 a year divided into 3 million. I need 500 customers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or you better hope that that, that customer scales uh, like crazy, huh? <laughs> right. Right. And you just go, ah. And so, yes, the $500 a month of backup is at 70% margin. Congratulations. That's great. It's just really, really hard to sell enough customers to actually scale that into any kind of business. Mm. If you look at the guys that blew through the million dollar mark and blew through the two million dollar mark and, and are 10, 15, 20, 30 million in SMB managed services, and many of them are in tier three and tier four markets, believe it or not, they all set a lower, lower limit on what size customer they will take from a revenue per month standpoint. The usual one we see first, Joe, is, is like a thousand bucks a month. They put their toe in the water and go, I think I'm not going to take anybody under a thousand. And they find out that's entirely sellable and they find out it's much more fun to win a customer. And they find out that it's um, much more meaningful to the customer, much stickier. And then they go, okay, well, that worked. That was kind of cool. How about if we, oh my gosh, how about if we raise it to 1500? And over the next couple of years, they'll find, ironically, seemingly paradoxically, every time they raise that minimum, they do better and their customers like it better. Now, why do the customers like it better? Because what you find is almost, there there are basically two kinds of customers in the world. We actually segment them into three, but to be quick, I'll say two. 
the ones that really need and want and can afford good IT support, and that's nice. about 25%. Yeah, it's about 25% of customers in every market on the planet. It's about 25% of SMB decision makers. They just want great support, and they have the money to pay for it. If you sell them any one of these fractional offerings, or you don't price it at enough to actually be able to afford to do the full deal, you let them down. And they go, well, that sucked. That wasn't, you know, that's not what I thought I was getting. Right. And so the other 75% of customers, ironically, if you look at the SMB managed service providers who have busted through the 3 million mark, the 5 million mark, the 10 million mark, et cetera, they just don't pay attention to the other 75%. Mm-hmm. They just, they just don't sell fractional offerings that result in a thousand a month or 1200 a month, or 1500 a month, even if it's 90% margin, because they know it takes forever to build up a company. And if you're only providing a fractional offering, you can't really solve the problem of running the customer's IT. It's sort of like, well, the analogy I used the other day in the, in the, the keynote, you'll recall, Joe, is my dear mom is, is negotiating with a Toyota dealer to buy a new Toyota RAV4. And she read somewhere that the front brakes do 80% of the braking and the rear brakes only do 20%. So she's trying to talk them out of providing her with rear brakes because she doesn't want to pay for them. It's not a smart decision. Right. It's not, you know. For, for anyone and, in and the, the room. For anyone in the room. <laughs> right. Right. And right. And, and, and Toyota is very smart. No, we're not going to take the rear brakes off the car. We're just, you know, it's not a smart decision. Likewise, silver and bronze are choices made by customers that don't understand IT, and you do. Right, right. And so, yeah. Great information. So so I, I can see or, or almost virtually see our listeners leaning in virtually and, and trying to figure out, okay, well, where do I find Paul Dipple? So it's service hyphen oh, leadership, Joe. right? Uh, I mean, uh, call my mom. Okay. Call your mom. She knows where to find me. <laughs> I All know right. it's service hyphen leadership.com, but tell me more about the yeah. quarterly solution provider performance data. Is, is this something, when does it come out? I know it's quarterly, of course, but, but when's the next one coming out? What type of data does it reveal? Sure. Well, the members uh, that, that are on the quarterly subscription, they receive their private report each quarter. They put their data in. In fact, the data entry window is, is here in uh, upcoming in October. And then uh, about 40 days later, just after they're able to close their books and get their data to us, they get their quarterly private uh, report. And that has all the data that we've been talking about. It compares them directly on, I think it's 58 metrics at this point, across sales, service, executives, et cetera, uh, balance sheet ratios, and so on. Uh, They get that every quarter, and it shows a trend in five quarters, and then it shows year over year. We summarize that data each quarter in order to sort of update the members. Um, and I hope you and I will be able to talk about that in the future. The, the, the big fat annual report that everybody who's not a quarterly subscriber sees uh, us talk about and, and can buy, by the way, um, that comes out once a year and it shows both. Well, this year will show uh, eight years. Um, so the members each get a quarterly update that's very thorough, 
and uh, hopefully you and I'll talk. Yeah, you bet. You bet. About hey, the hey, listen, I, I know the listeners are leaning in. I'm leaning in. I can't wait to hear about the data. So I definitely look forward to hearing about those numbers. In the meantime, thank you so much for the overview. And uh, for our listeners, again, I think you can find Paul at service-leadership.com. Just Google him. He's out there. He's very active. Paul, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. Joe, thank you very much. Likewise, I'm excited by what you're doing. That's all the time we have for this week's podcast. Tune in Tuesday at 9.01 p.m. Eastern for future podcasts. And for sponsorship information, please visit channeledae.com slash Advertise. I'm Joe Panateri, signing off for channel e2e.com. <laughs>